0: Praise the Lord. Welcome to our live broadcast today, Sunday, December 4, 2022. Shall we pray? In Jesus' name we pray. Our Father and our God, we thank you for this opportunity to be in your presence. We welcome you, O Lord our God. Guide us and lead us, dear Holy Spirit. Help us, Lord, to reach as many as possible. Teach us. And enable us to walk the walk. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We apologize for being late, please. We had some teething technical issues we needed to resolve. We are sorry for that, please. Our instrumental is taken from Abraham Caleb May the Lord continue to bless him and his family. We continue with our faith killer series. Last Sunday, we spoke about wrong foundation. Today, we shall be talking about misinterpretation of God's word as one of those reasons why faith in God is being removed in the lives of many Christians. Next Sunday, we shall talk about false doctrine stimulating greed and continue, as you can see on the board. Today's topic, misinterpretation of God's word. The outline, it is the world or the kingdom of God, not both, for a child of God. False faith promotes the world, while the true faith promotes the kingdom of God. Our song, O oh Jesus, I have promised. It is the world or the kingdom of God. Scripture please.
1: I read from John chapter 14 verse 2. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. The Lord has told
0: his disciples, he's preparing a place for them. That place is not in this world, the heavens. Many believers, those that have the right foundation. We're not talking about those on the wrong foundation, because if you're on the wrong foundation, that building is already collapsed. But for those on the right foundation, who truly gave their lives to Christ, and proposed in their heart to follow him and him alone, get derailed because of the misinterpretation of God's word. They fail to understand the lost word because, either for whatever reason, but we shall go into that on some other segment, or the role of his church in the world. Part of the misunderstanding, of course, is from the misinterpretation of God's word. And that misinterpretation is the merging of God's covenant with Israel with the covenant that God has with the church of Christ. The two covenants are totally different. Let me emphasize, the covenant between God and Israel is not the same as the covenant God has with the church of Christ. Those who talk about the church being the spiritual Israel are wrong. It's a wrong and false biblical exegesis. The promises God made to Israel are not the same as the words the Lord Jesus Christ made to his church. Let's go back. God had taken Jacob's descendants out of bondage in Egypt. He was with them for 40 years in the deserts as they wandered. And he enabled them to defeat and inhabit the land that he had shown their patriarch Abraham, that he would give him as inheritance, a land that came to be known as Israel, in return for their obedience to the laws that he gave them through Moses his servant. God promised to bless them with land and economic prosperity, watch. For Israel, God promised them land in the world and economic prosperity. That is God's word. That's what the laws were all about. So long as you obey the Lord, he will keep them in the land he has given to promised Abraham, which he now gave to them when they entered. Let me emphasize again. God's covenant with Israel had to do with land and worldly prosperity. Say to yourself, God's covenant with Israel had to do with land and worldly prosperity. And for hundreds of years, Israel prospered among the nations. And it would have continued to prosper had it not disobeyed God. Despite several warnings from God through his prophets, exiles and afflictions by their enemies, Israel continued to disobey God. Finally, God set aside Israel and inaugurated his kingdom from heaven on earth. That kingdom did not supplant Israel, simply set Israel aside, because he will still continue with the promises he made to Israel, some future date. But in the meantime, he inaugurated his kingdom on earth. By sending his son to the that kingdom of heaven on earth. And when his son died, he established the church on the day of Pentecost. When the Holy Spirit came. And then from there, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Where he is the head. And those who believe in him are the body. He mandated the church. His representatives on earth. Whom he told you are not of the world, even though you are in the world. The words he now said, in my father's house are many mansions. The words he has told that he's going to prepare a place for them. Christ did not come to prepare a place for those who are following him on earth. Not land, not taking away prosperity, not wealth. Mansion in heaven. So choose you today if you say you're a child of God. Is it a mansion in heaven for your Lord that promised you all the world and economic prosperity? Which is not your covenant? And to hear that covenant, you have to obey the laws that God gave to Israel. But he has set Israel aside. So it's of no use now. Please know that God's promises to Israel. The words spoken by the prophets that have not been fulfilled will still be fulfilled. Hence, the millennial reign of Christ, Christ is going to come to rule the world a thousand years from Jerusalem in Israel. That is when those will be fully completely completed before the heaven and earth shall be taken out, and the new heaven and earth will come. That is the Bible. That is the Bible, my brothers and sisters. That is the Bible. That is God's word. I Something just occurred to me. Please, if you're a young man or woman, you really want to learn about the word of God. You really want to be educated and immersed in the word of God. Get in touch with us. We're willing to spend time to explicate the scriptures so that you can carry on after some of us have passed. Because so much evil in the world today is committed by the church or those who say they are the church when they are not. The messages are so bad. That is why many are not believing. We will speak on that next Sunday. Let me continue before I digress. Christ did not promise his his followers anything on this earth. He promised us the world to come. But is the new heaven will be with him or to that world to come, which will be after this one is taken out. Obedient followers of Christ called saints. Anybody who has followed Christ and is following, you are sent of God. The saints comprise those already in heaven with Him and those who will join Him in the skies at rapture. When you come down to reign. In Jerusalem and the saints will be with him. That is the lot of the first resurrection. False faith promotes the world. Scripture please.
1: Matthew chapter 7 verses 13 to 17 Enter by the narrow gate for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction And there are many who go in by it because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life and there are few who find it. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit. But the bad tree bears bad fruit.
0: Praise the Lord. Why did the Lord combine the warnings narrow and broad, and then brought in false prophets? Because you know that false prophets will take his children to the broad road, which leads to the world and destruction. That's why. Look at the whole point. It started in the in the verses we just read. In verse thirteen, the narrow gate. And the wide gate, the broad road, and the narrow road. And then he goes in 15 to say, first, number 14, he says, It is difficult the way of the Lord. Because he knows that people will try to rely on their own steam to run the race. Whereas, except he is enabling anyone, no one can complete that race. And say, Verse 15 says, Beware false prophets. Who come to you in sheep's clothing? Where will you find the false prophets? In building small churches. Wherever children of God gather, the enemy will gather too and try to deceive, if possible, the let. And he wanted you to say, look at their fruits. I was gonna say something, but next Sunday we'll come on that. Satan has used false prophets. Jews and pastors to deceive so many with a false faith. How do you know what is the false faith? False faith promotes the world. That's the simple answer. Any preaching or teaching that promotes the world is a false faith. The aim of false faith is to keep unsuspecting believers on the broad road. The broad road leads to the world. Remember, they came out from the world and accepted Christ. And then the enemy comes in and packages the world differently, gives us some spiritual verses, and they are back to the world. And that leads to eternal death. See, many will find that broad road because their love is life. False faith opposes biblical faith. The greatest opposers of biblical faith are not unbelievers, despite what anybody will tell you. The greatest opposers of the true faith of God are those who promote false faith. Biblical faith keeps believers on the narrow road to eternal life. And difficult is the road to eternal life. Christ didn't say it was going to be easy. False faith is having confidence. Now I'm about to define what false faith is. It's a having confidence that one spoken words will bring things desired and spoken into existence. That is false faith. Did you hear me again? Having confidence in your spoken words, it will bring things desired and spoken. It doesn't God you can say God, you know, but I command is God. You say God, but it's not true. You are commanding. Biblical faith has absolute trust in God. See, biblical faith says, I can of my own do nothing. As the Holy Spirit tells us, that's the Lord Jesus Christ one on earth. But human beings today have arrogated themselves their right to be God's. Biblical faith has absolute trust in God. Absolute trust in God. Hence, always let your will be done, on God. That's biblical faith. Biblical faith believes God's word and in his promise of eternal life for those who believe in his son and accept him as Lord. That's all. They look for a heavenly city whose maker and builder is God, a building heavenly that has no foundations. False faith promotes economic prosperity and physical health. In effect, according to false faith, Believers are entitled to having physical health and economic prosperity. You know, they are the heritors like Israel. The land and economic prosperity. False faith teaches that since believers were created in God's image, they have power over creation. They can exercise dominion over the environment and get material wealth through positive confession. What is positive confession? It's a false doctrine that says that believers can claim whatever they desire from God simply by speaking and visualizing it. That's an occult (laughs) that's an occult doctrine. Positive confession doctrine claims that faith itself is a confession and speaking it brings it into reality. Just speak it, name it, claim it. Visualize it. Sleep on it. They even really talk about when um, Jacob used a sheep and the method. And they, you know, so many. St- Next Sunday we're going to debunk all those false theories. False the, you know. False is that poverty and illness are the result of causes. Maybe from even unfaithfulness, where unfaithfulness is not even sinning against God. Where unfaithfulness is failure to pay tithe to the church that they attend and give large offerings to those organizations and their leaders. That is what unfaithfulness is. Of. False faith claims that there's a spiritual formula to get wealth. You know, hence all those verses. Fast a certain number of days. We recount these verses. And God must do it because God has said He will do it. That is false faith because saying that through spiritual laws you can get wealth. Remember, it's about the world, they were by heaven. False faith claims that the Bible is a faith contract between God and believers. And that worldly prosperity is part of that inviolable contract. God wants to make us rich on earth. Because God is faithful and just, this. False faith preachers say God is obligated to fulfill his promises to those believers who pay their tithes faithfully and so what they call seed faith. False faith believes or says that Christians should take dominion over all aspects of society in order to bring peace and prosperity to the world. You know, they will do it better than God, right? False faith says suffering of believers, which the Bible clearly said will be the lot of those who believe, who are the narrow road. People should not be speaking about them. It destroys faith. Their proponents claim that preaching about suffering for the gospel kills faith, by which they mean it kills false faith. False teachers of Pine, those who teach false faith, because they are taught by false teacher, preachers, that teach, that believers, when you said, you know, that the, the teaching believers, that they will suffer, it prevents them from becoming rich, you know, the only well, no, suffering is not for a child of God, no, no, they, cast it out, it's not from God, demons are responsible. Next Sunday, we shall be speaking on how false faith has encouraged greed and destroyed the testimonies of so many. You know want You will not miss it by God's grace. Let me continue on what is essential. The true faith promotes the kingdom of God. Any teaching that does not challenge you, that does not challenge you to study the scriptures. And get to know the Lord Jesus Christ personally and walk with Him and the Holy Spirit. is not from God. It's not the true faith. The true faith continues to lead you to God. It leads you to Christ. It leads you to the Holy Spirit. The true faith continues to challenge your life every day. So that you do not conform to the principles of the world. But to the principles of the kingdom. Because you are an ambassador of Christ. If you do not represent Christ, you are there. Who will represent Him. If I don't represent Christ here on it, who will
1: represent him? Scripture please. Philippians chapter 3, verses 10 to 12. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another I will experience the resurrection from the dead. I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection. But I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me.
0: Praise the Lord for his word. If you are hearing me and you say you're a child of God. And you cannot say with me I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that is from the dead. And you stop there. Wrong. You also want to suffer with him. I want to suffer with Christ. I want to share in his death. I want to share in the mock grace. In the disdain. I want to share in the scourgings. So like whatever my lot is today on this earth. Whatever it is. So long as it's for the gospel that I suffer it, it is to the glory of God. You have to have a same mindset if you really want to inherit eternal life. Because only through the suffering that you have as you follow Christ, and not this then suffering if it comes your way, because you are a believer in the Lord. That's the only way you can experience the resurrection from the dead, meaning that newness that you have when you gave your life will be manifested fully when truly you have embraced Christ at the cross and suffered with him in death. Which means no matter what people say around you, you are doing the work of the Lord. You are preaching the gospel in season and out of season. You don't mind being excluded from so many things. It does not, it's not important and if the time comes in some countries that are persecuting believers already you will accept it because you just say lord let your will be done because that's the only way in verse 12 we can press on to possess that perfection for which christ has already indwelt us only when we allow christ in us to express itself to the world, can we really? That's what he meant by being possessed by Christ. It's not in the possession you think, it's when Christ re dwelling you already just manifests himself through you, and you are no longer sin, but Christ is sin. Faithful believers, which is those who are on the narrow road. Because if you are not on the narrow road, you are not a faithful believer. If you are on the broad road where world prosperity is your mantra, you are not you are, you, are, you are really not of the faith. Faithful believers know the following number one suffering is part and parcel of biblical faith. number one number two new creations in Christ Jesus don't have the right to live their lives as if they as they wish any longer, meaning you and I don't have the luxury to do what we like. Number three, faithful believers know that because they are giving their lives to Jesus Christ, their new lives no longer belong to them. They don't own it anymore. It belongs to Jesus Christ, Lord and Savior. Faithful followers know that because they belong to the Lord, only he alone can assign them their places in his body. We can't choose where to go. He can send you and I to wherever He likes so we can witness God's mercy. He wants us to live lives in such ways that cause unbelievers to believe. If our living our lives cause unbelievers to continue to be in unbelief, then we are sinning against God. And faithful followers of Christ know it. That is why they try to live. They emulate Christ. They try in every way not to conform to the world. But to conform to the principles of the kingdom of heaven. The lost apostles and disciples knew that the world was not a prize. They knew the lost apostles and those who were, they knew that the world was not. A, if the world was a prize, then they would have gone to several places. They would have named and claimed the whole world. But they did not, they would have amassed riches. And they wouldn't have had to suffer for the sake of the gospel. But all of them suffered for the sake of the gospel and all died for the sake of the gospel. Man was a betrayer, Judas, who loved money, of course, on the broad road. And John, who wrote the book of John and Revelation and the epistles of John. Because God determined that he wants to prove that he can keep anybody he wants for
1: as long as possible.
0: Scripture, please.
1: John chapter 16 verse 33 I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows but take heart because I have overcome the world praise the Lord did you hear that the
0: Lord said his followers will not have peace in the world but each day we try to negotiate peace with our neighbors by not ruffling the feathers we negotiate it by being cowardly. We negotiate it in every way, but that creature has called us. The only peace you and I can have is in Christ if we are believers. Here on that, say, we're going to have many trials and sorrows. So when trials come, we say, oh, no, no, because you are not believing, you, are doing, you did something wrong. Where something wrong is that you didn't pay it tight and you didn't give offerings. Or you say, take heart because I've overcome the world. There are many things I could on this subject, but I don't want to spend too much time today. Next Sunday, we're going to speak about the false doctrines. I just gave you the theological plank of the World Faith Movement and the World Prosperity Preachers. Next Sunday, we're going to examine some of those doctrines with some biblical verses and see how true and accurate they are. But remember one thing today, if nothing else, the covenants of Israel to Israel, ancient Israel, was land and economic well-being is not the same for the children of God. We are the kingdom of God on earth, and we are representing the kingdom of God on earth. Christ didn't come to give us land, he came to give us eternal life. For which even the, the Israelites, when it comes, will also benefit from. So the church is different from the nation of Israel. That was a covenant with Israel. Land, personality. Don't conflate the Bible because of misunderstanding, because of misinterpretation. It is important to put everything in Scripture in context and check things by covenants. I've spoken of this in past, but this is the issue. I eventually I, I came to address it in my mind and I studied and I said yes, and I enabled by the Spirit of God to know that yes, that is the profession. Don't get confused, child of God, because you'll be misled. You can redirect your path. Praise the Lord. We're going to sing a song, which I want you to internalize this week. God, that's the only way. Oh, Jesus, I have promised. You promised Him, and I promised Him. Oh, Jesus, I promised to serve thee to the end. That's what we did at the cross. Be thou forever near me, my master and my friend. I shall not fear the battle if thou art by my side, indwelling me, and you should not. Nor wonder from the pathway if thou will be my guide. Lord Jesus, near me. Because the world is ever near, trying to draw me away. I see the sights that dazzle all around me. The temptation sounds that I hear, or the tempting sounds I hear. My foes, my enemies are ever near me, both physical and spiritual. But Lord Jesus, draw down nearer and shield my soul from sin. That should be your prayer. That should be my prayer, this week, always. Oh, let me hear this speaking. In accents clear and still. In dreams, properly interpreted, in visions. Above the storms of passion, the murmurs of self will. Oh, speak to reassure me and all your children who are hearing this message today. To hasten our control. Oh, speak and make me listen. Speak, Lord, and make them listen. Thou, guardian of our souls. Jesus, thou hast promised to all who follow thee that where thou art in glory, not in this world, there shall thy servant be. And Jesus, I have promised, I have promised to serve thee to the end, no matter what. Oh, give me the grace to follow my master and my friend. Jesus' then we pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for the opportunity to be here. And for helping us to resolve the technical issues that arose at the beginning. We give you all the praise and honor and pray for all who have tuned in today. Give them a special blessing, Lord, that this week you'll be ever present before them. They will see and sense your presence. And you'll guide them that this will make a difference in their lives, in their growth. Reboot the devourer for their sex, Lord, that the enemy will not come to take that which is planted today, to help your children to separate themselves from the anarchy that is already in people who say they are your children but are not. Help your children, Lord, those who genuinely want to know, to know. Open doors, for them as they study the scripture to be able to differentiate and understand scriptures. Minister to them, Lord. Bless their homes, Lord. Bless the work of their hands. So that they will not reach out and touch iniquity, O oh God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise the Lord. Continue to pray for us as we pray for you. By His grace, we see you next Sunday. We're trying to make some adjustments in the way we we reach you. We hope we'll communicate for them next week.